0: Last year, a group of 30 people gathered at an estate in Toronto, Canada. They sipped brain-boosting drinks laced with lion's mane mushrooms. They participated in breathwork sessions. And they soaked up the electromagnetic pulses of what's called the biocharger, which seemingly looks a bit like a giant blender and sounds like a bionic mosquito. This was what was called the launch of the Longevity House. The Longevity House. A private club that promises its members a long life free from chronic illnesses and cognitive decline. That is as long as you pay the lifelong membership fee of $100,000. Sounds good? Anybody interested? If you are, you need to be act yeah, quickly because already 23 of the 30 places have been taken. Now this is just one of the many ways that people are pouring huge amounts of money into life extension innovations. For example, PayPal founder Peter Thiel, he's pledged three and a half million dollars to the Methuselah Foundation, a non-profit that has vowed to make 90 of the new 50 by 2030. That sound good? And then former Google Venture CEO Bill Maris launched Calico, a project focused on dramatically extending human life, increasing lifespans by as much as 100 years. But no matter how much money people throw at this, our problem remains. Whatever club we are members of, however much we value science or science fiction, the mortality rate for human beings remains stubbornly the same. Since Adam, it's been 100%. The reality is, everybody dies. And this means that whenever we rely on someone to help us through life, In the back of our minds, we we know that they won't be with us forever. One day, they will be taken from us. That's the case with everyone. Partners, parents, friends, even political or religious leaders. Everyone that is, apart from one. There is someone who invites us to trust in Him, to depend on Him. Not just for today, but forever. And that's because He has already conquered death. And so we can rely on Him completely. Because as our next passage in the book of Hebrews tells us, He is our better priest. He has a better priesthood. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 7 again. Hebrews 7 from verse 11 to verse 28. And Lorraine is going to come and she's going to read for us. Thank you very much, Lorraine.
1: Could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood. Why was there still a need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what if we have said in even more clear, um, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of power of an indestructible life? For it is declared, "You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek." The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. It is not without an oath. It was not without an oath. Others became priests because of any, without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn, and we will, and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from um, continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever.
0: Thank you very much, Lorraine. Last week we were introduced to this guy, the mysterious Melchizedek. And we saw that he was a historical figure from the time of Abraham. And he blessed Abraham when he met Abraham, when he was coming back from his rescue mission of his nephew Lot. And then Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. And we saw that this was significant. Because it showed that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. And greater from the, the priests that came from Levi, who is the great grandson of Abraham. And that's important for us. Because if Jesus has become a high priest forever, on, in the order of Melchizedek, then his ministry and his role is also greater and better than the Levitical priests within Judaism. So why would the, religious, the, the original readers of this letter be tempted to give up following Jesus and go back to Judaism when their priesthood is so... Inferior. And in our passage this morning, the author pushes further into this truth to show in a deeper way how the priesthood of Jesus is better. And his first reason is that through Christ, we have a new way to God. Look at verse 11 again. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, For on the basis of it, the law was given to the people. Why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. This Levitical priesthood was established by the law that was given to Moses when he was up Mount Sinai. It was the law that regulated who could become a priest, how they served, where they served, and what they were supposed to do in order to represent the people before God. And that priesthood was a great gift to God, to the people of Israel, sorry. It allowed them to experience God's presence and God's help to some extent but there was a problem with it. As good as that priesthood was, it could never make somebody perfect before God. It could never give them a complete and secure relationship with God. The relationship with God that they needed. The writer proved that By the fact that God declared to Jesus, through the Messianic prophecy, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's from Psalm 110, verse 4. So God established a new priesthood, because the old one, the one in the order of Aaron, wasn't good enough, it was imperfect. That's what the writer says again in verse 18. The former regulation that's about the the priesthood of Levi, is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. I hope you know that's the clear message of the Bible. The Old Testament religious system, with its rules and regulations, its priests, its tabernacle, its animal sacrifices, could never ever make anybody perfect in God's sight. It could never secure a relationship with Him. As we'll see in a little bit eh, this morning, this is in part because the sacrifices as part of that system were insufficient to pay for sin. But it was also because of our inability to overcome our sinful nature. So, Nobody managed to keep the law perfectly. And so, Paul in Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says this. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. None of us can become right with God through our efforts... Our religious activities, our keeping of the rules, our attempt to live a good life. And so the law, the rules, don't bring us into that relationship with God. Instead they show how very far short of God's standards we fall. But through Christ, we have a new way. Jesus was not part of that old Levitical priesthood. In fact, he could never be, because he was not a descendant of Levi. In order to be part of that priesthood, you had to be part of that family line. But our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about the priests. So Jesus is not part of that old covenant system. He was not appointed high priest by that old mosaic law. And so his way to God is not weak and useless like the law. Instead, through him, a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. That's verse 19. Jesus' ministry to us has opened up a new way to God by which we are declared right with him. A new way by which we can be adopted as God's children. A new way through which we can come close to God as our Heavenly Father. As the writer of Hebrews will say later on in chapter 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain. So the original readers of this letter, they were tempted to go back to that old Levitical system and trust in that. Today, many people are also looking for other systems like that, other mediators that can bring them to God. They're trusting in priests, or saints, or prophets or idols, or angel readers, or mediums, or spiritual advisors, all hoping that in some way they can provide a way to God. And these days we're told that that's okay, because sure, all roads lead to God in the end. But in Christ we have a better way, because in Christ we have the only way to God. This is what Jesus himself said. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some people might claim, they might argue, that if God set aside the Levitical priesthood of the Mosaic law to replace it with Jesus, then what is to stop him from doing the same with Jesus in the future? If, if the Levitical system was set aside and then the way through Jesus was brought in, well surely God could just do the same again and bring an, an, a new way to God. And in fact some religions, like Islam, have claimed just that. They say that Jesus was a great prophet, but God has, some, has brought something new in A new mediator, a new prophet, a new way to God. But the writer of Hebrews says that this will never happen. And he proves it by God's oath. Look at verse 20. Others became priests without oaths. That was the descendants of Aaron. They just simply became priests because of their genealogy, because of the family that they were born into. But with Jesus, he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw how God swears by an oath because he knows that we struggle to take him at his word. So his oath encourages us to have absolute confidence that he'll do what he says. So God has promised that Jesus will be our priest forever. And he has guaranteed it with an oath. So he'll not change his mind. He will not go back on his word. He will not bring in something new again. Just as the writer declared in his introduction to this letter, that Jesus is God's final word to this world. So, Jesus is God's final solution to the problem of our sin and our separation from God. We don't need anyone else. There is nobody better. As Paul wrote to Timothy, there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And so the writer in chapter 7, in verse 22 says, Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now we're going to see the details of that new covenant next week, in the next chapter. But here we're told that unlike the old covenant, this agreement with God that we've been brought into through Jesus is secure. That's because it's not based on what we do. It's not based on our behavior. It's not based on our obedience. It's not based on how well we do. Instead, it's based solely on what Jesus has already done. He is the guarantee or the guarantor. And because His role in our lives has been made certain by God's oath, then today we can rejoice in our salvation. Because it will never be changed. It will never be dissolved. That's why Paul could say in Romans eight thirty eight and 39 I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's oath guarantees our relationship with God. But it also declared that unlike the Levitical priests, Jesus has a permanent priesthood. Aaron and his descendants, they could only serve as priests, obviously, until they, as long as they lived, until they died. So verse 23 says, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing office. And that was a real problem. Because you might have a high priest who is really faithful to God and serves God faithfully. But then he dies. And the next generation are not faithful to God. That's what happened with Eli, the priest in Samuel's day, when Samuel was born. It talks about Eli how he led Israel for 40 years. That's faithfulness. But his sons were not like him. It actually says in 1 Samuel 2:12, Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the law. They abused their position and they abused the people. They actually stole the best of the sacrifices for themselves. And they also slept with the woman who served at the entrance to the tabernacle. There was a similar kind of problem with the kings of Judah as well. Sometimes you would have a king who would faithfully serve God and lead the people towards God, but then his son would do exactly the opposite and lead them in the wrong direction. There's no security, there's no stability in our lives if Every generation, there's a new leadership. There's a new person to depend on. Because the next generation might not be as faithful to the, to the first one. But our hope is in an unchanging priest. Look at verse 24. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Jesus doesn't need a succession plan. He'll never need a replacement. Nobody will ever have to take over from him. He is our high priest forever. And that means he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus doesn't offer us a temporary salvation. He doesn't reconcile us to God for a little while. The hope He gives has no time limit. We can be sure that Jesus will always be in heaven for us. His blood will always cleanse us from all sin. So Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. That's the security that we can have if we put our faith in Christ, He is able to save us completely for all eternity. And that's because His sacrifice was sufficient. We're going to look at that in more detail in chapter 9 and 10 of the book of Hebrews. But in this passage uh, the writer says that the Levitical high priests they to offer sacrifices day after day first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people that's because they themselves were not perfect but neither were their sacrifices perfect because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins so day by day, day, after day, year after year, those priests performed the same rituals over and over and over again. And their people were never truly reconciled to God. But Jesus is different. He is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners. Exalted above the heavens. Verse 26. He is someone that we can trust in completely. Because although he suffered when he was tempted so he's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life of obedience and submission to his Father. And so when he died on the cross his life was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when He offered Himself. And that means if we come to Him, then there's no other sacrifice needed. No other payment for our sins is required. No other judgment for us to fear. Jesus has become Perfect forever. Now, that does not mean that before Jesus died on the cross, he was imperfect, like he was sinful or something like that. But it means that it was only after he laid down his life for us on the cross that he become able to rescue us. Did he become complete as our saviour? Did he become our perfect rescuer? It's because Jesus fully submitted to his Father's will and completed the work that his Father gave him to do that he can save all who come to him. As we read earlier in chapter 5, verse 9, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So folks, why would we want to go anywhere else? Why would we want to put our faith in anyone else? Because of his sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection, Jesus has conquered death. Something that nobody else could do. And so in him, we have a better priesthood. He has opened up for us, a new and living way to God. He has guaranteed our intimate and secure relationship with God. He has become our perfect representative before God. And his sacrifice for sins has made us righteous forever in the sight of God. So this morning all we need to do fix our eyes on Jesus
1: because he is all that we need